0: Welcome to Startup Hacks, a We Global Studios podcast. We explore the stories and secret strategies that women entrepreneurs use to save time and money when bootstrapping and building their businesses. I'm your host, Fernanda Carapina, and today I'm so excited to welcome Valerie McCall. Valerie is Chief of Communications, Government, and International Affairs for the City of Cleveland. She is a sought-after speaker, panelist, political strategist, and legislative expert who has garnered countless accolades for her work. From around the globe to the neighborhoods of Cleveland, McCall lends her expertise to affect change and improve the quality of life for all people. Welcome, Valerie.
1: Hey, how are you doing, Fernanda?
0: I'm doing great, and I'm so excited to have this opportunity to share you with our audience and have them get to know the great work that you are, are doing. So I thought we would start today by asking you, if you don't mind, giving us a little bit of your own personal backstory about where you grew up and how you got started as a young professional woman in Cleveland or maybe elsewhere.
1: Well, absolutely. First of all, I just want to say, hey, thank you for inviting me um, to be a part of this, um, and actually for inviting me to the kickoff for the opening of the studios. I am still in awe of of just the greatness and and, and what you what you brought to life with We Global Studios, I just think it's fantastic. And and as someone who's in this space and here in the city of Cleveland, I, I was gonna say, you know, the skies parted and the, the, the opened up <laughs> and, and I was born and the star came out. But I have to tell you being born here, born and raised in the city of Cleveland, um, I've, I've just been fortunate to have an opportunity um, to, to just be around some really great people. Um, and, and today, I started my day off at a funeral of another great legend today. And, and it just made me pause and, and reflect on the people who are in my life and who've given me an opportunity from um, Mayor White, who at the time that he hired me to work at the city of Cleveland, was the longest mayor, longest serving mayor in the history of the city of Cleveland, to Mayor Jackson, who I've had the opportunity um, um, to be a mentee of, and meant, you know, serve under who is the longest serving mayor in the history of the city of Cleveland 16 years. Um, um, and, and the people who come in between that have given me an opportunity an opportunity to grow, an opportunity to have responsibility, an opportunity to do some really cool stuff in the city of Cleveland, um, and then an opportunity to, to give back and to grow and mentor other people. Um, and so I would tell you that I, I wouldn't trade my life experiences for nothing in the world. Um, and the opportunity to be on the cutting edge of the growth and rebirth and the, the opportunity to, to, to just see Cleveland prosper. And then to be able to, at some point, sit back and, and watch people take it to the next level, right? And, and maybe step outside of this and say, okay, now what's next? And how do I, I help build it on, a, on another level? Um, and so being born and raised here in Cleveland um, and being, being someone who can say, I grew up, I still live in the city. I still live in a really pretty much the, almost the same neighborhood um, I grew up in. I actually almost still live up, live on the same city, on the same street that I grew up on, um, give a take. And so so I, I'm, as, I'm a product of the neighborhood. I'm a product of the core urban side of the city. And so what I do, I believe in um, because I still live in the community. And so it's personal to me. And, mm-hmm. and what I do and the policies we make and the decisions we make. Here at, at what we call 601 lakeside which is City Hall they're important to me because I have to go home to them as well and so they matter.
0: So and so just tell us where did you um, where did you actually grow up in Cleveland? So I grew up in a neighborhood
1: called Glenville um, mm-hmm. and So most people who know the city of Cleveland they know historically that the, the city of Glenville. and so I grew up on a street east 105th Street. So in the neighborhood we call it the Ten Five. If you really know come from Cleveland, you understand. The 10-5. <laughs> now, I grew up on the Ten Five. I grew up on East Hundred and Fifth Street, um, which is which is in the core of the, the city of Cleveland. And most people mm-hmm. who come from East Hundred and Fifth Street, I mean, you 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 grew up there and you you saw some of everything, right? And and you, mm-hmm. you, know, you cut your teeth on 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 family. You cut your teeth on community. You cut your teeth on on what I call I don't like to say struggle. Right, I like mm-hmm. to say growth and opportunity, um, and and I remember families where you know we everybody was at our house, right, or we were next door, um, and and we grew up as cousins, and we may not have been blood related, but but our house was a house where most people got together, and 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 my friends from school were all close friends today,
0: mm-hmm. um, you know. And- And as a a young African-American woman, I mean, when you were 18 going into college, did you think you were going to go into politics? I went to a high school and our high school
1: is a long title. So but bear with me. It was Martin Luther King Law and Public Service Magnet High School. That was the name of my high school. Mm -hmm. We had a partnership with Cleveland State University and they were preparing public servants of the future. Wow. And our um, our principal, um, our assistant principal, our guidance counselor, our, you know, my two favorite teachers were our English teachers prepared us to be in public service. So I ended up graduating from Cleveland State University, undergrad and grad, allegedly I have one of the young. I'm one of the youngest recipients of an honorary doctorate from Cleveland State University. My closest yeah. friends, people, I went to MLK LPS, as we call it for short, um, because that's what they prepared us for. So while I thought I was going to take another track and go into the field of law and become an attorney, I didn't think I was going to go into the governmental side of the track or public service side. Or my undergrad was social work, so I didn't think I was going to go into this side of it but I always knew I was gonna do something. I knew I wanted to go to college. I remember our friends used to say, our motivating thing was, I did not wanna become a statistic. I didn't Mm wanna be another young black girl who was attractive and had a future and had an opportunity, but she did not make it out the hood. She did not Mm -hmm. do this with her life and she ended up becoming another statistic, coulda, shoulda, woulda. I didn't Mm -hmm. want that. And I had good, good opportunities, but I also could have taken that fork in the road. I always tell people, listen, my life could have gone a number of different ways by the grace of God, by having great people in your life who saw something in me when I didn't see it in myself. um, I could have gone a number of different ways. And, And just by having that right people, whether it was having that first job at McDonald's, And people seeing something in you and saying, you know, yeah, you can be a manager. We joke like, oh, you work your way up the prize. Well, you know what? Working the (laughs) the drive-thru helped keep my butt out the street. And so maybe being in the drive-thru was the right. I keep telling McDonald's, they had to put me in a commercial. We'll come back to that later. (laughs) Um. But 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 sometimes it, it it is those you know those old school McDonald commercials where Calvin used to come singing in and he working away to fries you know, um, it, it, but but those things kept us kept me personally motivated, kept me driven. When I went off to school and I went to a HBCU and I realized, okay, this is not going to work for me because I'm supposed to be in Daytona Beach at Bethune Cookman College and I'm not supposed to be at Miami Beach <laughs> on the beach partying every weekend Um, and I called my guidance counselor at the time uh, Miss Daisy Perkins and I said I gotta come home like whispered, just like that I gotta come home and she helped practically fill out my application to Cleveland State University and I came home that changed my life Mm -hmm. that keep me moving in the right direction and so and so I, I think having people say Hey, there's something in you. You got to keep moving. Having people see something in you, and then having people give you an opportunity, and then
0: performing. Right. And when you when you graduated from Cleveland State, uh, did you go straight into a government position?
1: Um, so I graduated undergrad um, in social work, and at Cleveland State University, they didn't play. We had to do our our in school. Um, so we had the, these. Um, internships, right? And so you had to do, it was a six month placement in social work. You had to do six months. There was part that was in class, but then there was a part that you had to do six months pretty much on the job. And I worked at what was called a confidential location at the time, but it was a shelter for battered and abused women and children. So we Mm -hmm. could not disclose the location. That, that was an eye opener. And so I did that. And then after I finished my undergrad, I got hired there full time and I stayed there. And while I didn't grow up witnessing in my household domestic violence, we still witnessed it, right? In the community, um, in our neighborhood. Um, And from there, I went to work for Children and Family Services, which is the agency that um, for the county, if you have people who abuse their children or have circumstances in their household where their children have to be removed from you, from their household, I was that social worker who had to come in and remove their children and I knew quickly I did not want mm-hmm. to do that and I did that because I wanted to go on to law school and I wanted to have a career while I went to law school I did not end up going to law school I ended up getting my master's in public administration and um, from there I ended up it's a long story I ended up working at a non-profit called midtown Cleveland um, where I worked very closely with then was the council person who was Frank Jackson who is now the mayor. Mm -hmm. Uh, From there, I worked for Mayor White, who hired me to run the City of Cleveland's Empowerment Zone office. I don't know if you remember, there were these, you know, Empowerment Zone programs. Um, The late Mm -hmm. Congressman Stokes was chair of the... a Powerful Appropriations Committee. They announced these communities that needed revitalization. And City of Cleveland was announced with Los Angeles as a, what they called at the time, Supplemental Empowerment Zone. So I think I was director number three or four um, at the time. From there, um, I uh, I transitioned. Uh, Mayor White did not seek re-election. Mayor Campbell came into office. So I worked for her for her first five months of her term. And then Mayor Jackson had become the council president. And I went over to become allegedly the youngest city clerk, clerk of city council in the history of the city of Cleveland. So I was a clerk of city council uh, for the city of Cleveland. And then then council president Jackson became Mayor Jackson. And I came over here with him. And that was 16 years ago.
0: Wow. So now let's fast forward to current day. Mm -hmm. Um, You've done amazing work in Cleveland and have become a real leader in your community. Um, Tell us a little bit about your work, not only in Cleveland, but your international work that you've been doing over the past few years, which I think is really interesting. A lot of people don't really appreciate that some of the international work that a lot of government um, individuals do on behalf of the city.
1: Yeah Cleveland is is one of um, I, I always say if you if you look at the melting pot that we say America is, if you want to see a quick snapshot, look at Ohio, if you mm-hmm. want to close, look at Cleveland. and we pride ourselves on being an immigrant community, right? Because if you think mm-hmm. of, we're all immigrants in some shape form or fashion, Cleveland really is. and we pride ourselves on having a very diverse international community. Cleveland in particular has, we say over 23 international sister cities, and we may have more than that because I'm going through an exercise right now to confirm that. And so early on, I had an opportunity to become a German Marshall Fellow. And matter of fact, I'm looking at a picture now it was the t- 2003 Greater Cleveland American Marshall Memorial Fellow. And my class was a class that we were over when the um, Iraq w- war started. Um, we were overseas. I remember we were at a briefing with then ambassador to NATO, I believe Ambassador Burns pretty much said, yes, we're going to war. Um, and so so from there, I became an American young political um, uh, leader, APYPL, I believe it is, a um, uh, fellow. And so when I, when the mayor appointed me as head of government affairs, I'm now over comms, government and international affairs, his international relationship and our partnerships are some of the most important, because if you think about A lot of people that are on the ground every day in the community, it is your international people. And so Mayor Jackson opened up City Hall. He made it more welcoming than it had probably been in a long time. We host all of our international community people. Um, We have our cultural gardens. We probably established more new cultural gardens. Um, When we get you to Cleveland, we're going to take you around and you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, Um, Yeah, we have a strong international foreign council corps. Um, Our mayor was the first sitting mayor to travel to um, Slovenia as a sitting mayor. And why is that important? Because outside of the country of Slovenia, um, you have more Slovenians in Ohio, Northeast Ohio, than you do Probably in the country of Slovenia, and that the highest diplomat in Ohio is our um, consulate of Slovenia, and so Cleveland is a beautiful, wonderful, magnificent international community, and we pride ourselves on our international relationships. And so, we've had you name them all kind of international leaders, and we we you know we don't treat our internationalism as, as something that we do next to everything else. We do it hand in hand. Matter of fact, you know, most cities, oh, we're a welcoming city and we're going to create an office of welcome, blah, blah, blah. We didn't do that. We we seeded a partnership 10 years ago, um, the city of Cleveland, Cuyahoga County, uh, working within Huntington Bank and the Cleveland Foundation, an organization called Global Cleveland that's run by one of my uh, American Marshall Memorial fellow mates, Joe Semperman, called Global Cleveland. And we pride ourselves on making sure that we keep internationalism at the forefront. So even during the 2016, um, 2016 when we hosted the um, RNC in the city of Cleveland, um, one of the things we had was a whole international program that we ran, that were ambassadors that came to town for that program. Um, and so we pride ourselves on that. So we have a we have a very robust international program
0: here at the city of Cleveland. and um- I know that you are such a huge supporter of women and women entrepreneurs. And and I'm so blessed to have your support at We Global and the work that we're doing in supporting women in their startups, um, not only in the US, but also abroad. And obviously, the show is all about how to save time, money and gain a competitive edge when you're bootstrapping your business. And when people think about kind of government officials and government executives, so to speak. Um, They think of bureaucracy and waste and not necessarily kind of efficiencies. But I'm wondering if you wouldn't mind sharing some of your own, because you're such a smart woman, some of your own strategies that you've used in government life to really maximize your time and, and to create efficiency so that you can be more impactful. And if you could share some of that.
1: Um, absolutely. Um, one is um, knowing when to say no. I know that sounds crazy,
0: mm-hmm. uh, but
1: but knowing when to say no, um, knowing what boards to be on and what boards not to be on,
0: mm-hmm.
1: knowing when to pass the torch, um, in mm-hmm. terms and and knowing when to pride. I, I pride myself on saying okay. I sit on I because in my role, I represent the mayor on a lot of the national boards because our mayor isn't one. He's not going to he's not going to boast and brag and travel and go to a lot of those national conferences. So I get to do a lot of that on behalf of the city. And a lot of times I look in a room. I'm, I'm not going to say any names right now, but there's still a couple boards where I look up and I remind them. I've been on this board for 16 years and we haven't had a female chair. Mm-hmm. or I've been on this board or we just we just passed the officers and there's not a female in the rotation to even become an officer in the next 3 years because if you understand board management and board leadership you have to at least be in the rotation to get to be the chair in the next mm-hmm. couple of years and it's not okay and it's not okay to sit back and be quiet, and so and so to to be able to work with women and say no, you want to do this to get there, to do this, but then also not be afraid to speak up, um, and and to push the envelope a little bit, but at the same time, never forget where you come from to give advice to 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 women to say, okay, it's okay to ask for this, it's okay to do this, and it's okay to go for that, um and that sounds crazy because you think of entrepreneurs i will tell you i i've sat in a cabinet with women are they're they're my colleagues are female women in a cabinet so we work for a boss who it's not uncommon to see women in this cabinet but i get to sit in spaces sometimes when it's not that common to see that many women in those spaces right so sometimes women women we have to be able to to say, raise your hand and point out where it is not OK when you don't see females or you don't even see the 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 the, the preparation of female leaders coming up because they're not even in the no one's even preparing them to put them in the spaces to be able to, to grow. Um, mm-hmm. I think this is the era of the woman. And, and I'm not just saying that because it sounds good. And I'm not just saying that. If you look at what social media has done, right? People can talk about the TikTok or the influencers or the um, Instagram, you know what I mean? Women don't put themselves in business because they are an influencer or because they started selling jewelry or they started making jewelry based on um, um, technology now. You couldn't have done that ten years ago. You would have had to have, you know, this business plan and yeah. a whole bunch of other stuff. And so, I think this is the era of the of the woman, of the, of, of the woman. And I think that um, in government, it's time for women. If you really think about people who can who can, these jobs are not easy jobs. They may not be the most glamorous sometimes, and they're not the ones that get all the attention. Or in my case, they're the ones sometimes to get all the heat. A lot of times so you have to have strong backbone um they are the ones that do actually at the end of the day make a great difference for people and so you you have to have that backbone and you have, to have that ability to say hey it's okay to take the heat um but i think it's the era. i think it's the era of the woman whether it's in entrepreneur whether it's in communications whether it's in politics or a strategy and strategic relations or international relations i do think it's the era of the of the woman right now and and i think that the more that we re- remind ourselves of that and then we come together and we network with each other and we support one another um i think we can we can begin to see a, just just what you've done with with we global i think that's the beginning of something very very beautiful um and I think if you juxtapose to government, I mean, government has never really looked at in that spectrum. It's a great opportunity. I mean, uh-huh. what made the headlines this year? The president President, um, the Biden, President Biden, Vice President Harris did what? They have an all-female comm staff. That made headlines at the beginning of the year. Why? Because it was <laughs> unheard of. We used to hear of male press secretaries, right? Right. Well, because women can handle
0: that. Well, let me ask you one last question, because we're starting to run low on time, believe it or not. Um, Now that you've been in um, public service for many years, as you look ahead, what kind of one thing would you like to accomplish near term that you feel perhaps you haven't been able to quite yet?
1: Hmm. That's a very good question. Um, I know that's not your trick question for me.
0: No, it's not a trick. I'm just wondering if there's true. an area of interest that you haven't been able to really sink your teeth in that you'd like to.
1: There there is. I, I think I think that there is something um without giving away like the the big surprise, right? Mm-hmm. I, I think there's something, there's a conversation and maybe this is a tease up for you for later, Fernanda, for a, for a future discussion. There's a conversation that really hasn't been had around bias, the bias um, that is still there in media relations mm-hmm. with local officials in government and or minorities in government in particular. And females specifically. Mm-hmm. And yeah. what I haven't been able to do is really push that a little bit further into the forefront and not to say that I'm done with that discussion, but I think there's conversation that should be had there. And what I mean by that is headlines, mm-hmm. I'll give you a couple where one thing may happen in one area and the headline is one way or the the story is sensationalized one way and it's done the same exact way in another way and it's not told in that same exact line, light. Mm-hmm. And so it puts females in one perspective or the m- minority or that local official where on this area, it's done in a different way. One can be career ending for some person in a other, it could just be, oh, it's seen in a different light, and there's something there. And I think that there is something with with how um, how things are told and how things are are, are driven and how things are, um, are 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 really covered in a way that while we're having this discussion in the in the limelight about where comms is going and and how media is portrayed, that's not really being told. And, yeah. and there's something there, and I think that's that's worth um exploratory discussion in the future
0: yeah i I can completely see that it, within the entrepreneurial community that also exists, which is female founders don't get the kind of that they deserve, and people um sometimes are often misinformed by the amount of progress and impact that's already going on in the business community, all they hear is that women can't get funding. But Absolutely. there are a lot of women out there that are in, revolutionizing their particular industry, and they're just not getting press to that effect. They not
1: get it all. Or when they get it, it's not in the way that it should be helping them. It actually becomes a hindrance to them. And that's not fair. So I think there's something there. And I think that there's a way that that you know, I haven't figured it out yet, but I think there's an option. There's I think there's an opportunity to help fix it. Mm-hmm. You know, I talk about it. Why not just take the take it and fix it and take it to the next level? And I think that's worth further discussion. Absolutely.
0: So um, unfortunately, we're out of time, but I wanted to give the audience an opportunity to find out if they want to learn more about you or what's going on in Cleveland and your great work. Uh, where can they um, where can they go to find you and to learn more?
1: Absolutely. Um, at City of Cleveland, um, on across all of our social media channels for the City of Cleveland, and then I'm on LinkedIn, Valerie McCall, Valerie J McCall, and I'm V A L A R I E J McCall, and um, again at City of Cleveland across social media channels.
0: Well, thank you again, Valerie. You're doing amazing work in Cleveland, and I know you have a phenomenal team, and we so appreciate you sharing your time today.
1: And I appreciate you having me and and allowing us to talk about Cleveland on this platform, but I really more importantly appreciate you for what you are doing, Fernanda, in this space. You really are doing a phenomenal thing, and and I just I'm excited about what's gonna happen in the near future, just with, with you blazing the blazing
0: the earth with what you're doing. Well, thank you. With you by my side, we can do just about anything. (laughs) We can take over the world. (laughs) Well, thank you again. And tune in next week for more startup hacks. We have another great show you won't want to miss on the secret female founder strategies that will save you time and money when building your business. This podcast is brought to you by We Global Studios, the first startup innovation studio and digital do it yourself startup platform for women entrepreneurs around the world. For more information on our guests, this podcast, and many other female founder programs, please visit WeGlobalStudios.com. I'm your host, Fernanda Carapina, and we will see you next week.